Good morning, everyone. I, uh, one of the things I really appreciate, Mike, um, I think without fail, uh, every time I've spoken, he comes up to me and makes sure he knows that he has prayed, you know, that he says, uh, you've been prayed for. And, uh, you know, every time I'm very gracious and thought, thankful. And, but I must confess, this time I'm thinking in my heart, I hope you pray long and hard. <laughs> Uh, there are some ideas that are difficult <clears throat> for one of two reasons, either because they're controversial, not the case today, or simply because they're difficult to get the mind around. And I think that's the case that I found with the topic today, the beauty of God. And it's, it's a topic that I've considered on several different occasions of, of presenting, and I've chicken out every time. <laughs> and it shows something different just because it was, it's, it, I found it very difficult. <clears throat> um, Hopefully we'll uh, um, we'll learn a little bit about uh, the the beauty of God today. Um, there's a saying that goes uh, like this: "Beauty is in the eye of the beholder." Undoubtedly, you've heard that saying: "Beauty is in the eye of the beholder." <clears throat> um, that was kind of the defense of the National Endowments of the Arts back in the late 1980s. I don't know if some of you were born, uh, but <laughs> a lot of us were, and we kind of, and we remember. Uh, I don't know, you may remember the event where there, there was an outcry about public funding going to certain art organizations because what they were uh, putting forth was not art at all, was not beauty. Of course, one of the defenses from uh, some of these, the, the people that, that did this art was, well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's what it amounted to. I think it's pretty. I think it's beautiful, so therefore it must be art. Uh, one particular example, um, I don't even want to name, I, I don't even want to, use the name of the art piece of art because I don't like one particular word that's in it. But basically, I'll describe it. Uh, basically, it's a crucifix, was a crucifix in a jar of urine. I don't know if you remember that particular uh, 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 item, but that, that was one of the things that, was, that people were defending as art and beauty. And um, I'm going to challenge that idea a little bit today and basically challenging it, maybe not directly, but indirectly in the sense that beauty comes from God. Beauty is something that there is some objective quality to beauty, uh, and that objective quality is rooted in the very nature of God. There is a sense that there is an emotional response to that beauty as well, uh, but, uh, but it is not the emotional response alone, that there is some objectiveness to it. Uh, turn in your Bibles um, to Psalm chapter 27. And I'm going to read several verses. We're going to focus on verse 4, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. They... Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. From in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle." In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift up me up on a rock. And now 
My head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And I was captivated by the phrase in verse 4 where David says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Two things seem clear from this passage. One, God is in fact beautiful. God is, or beauty is an attribute of God. And second, at some level, we can behold this beauty. David describes his intense desire to lay hold of God's beauty in the midst of his lament of the ugliness of the world around him, the evildoers who wanted to devour his flesh, the adversaries who encamped him, and the wars that rose against him. Yet what he wanted to do was be in the presence of God's beauty. When we think of beauty being an attribute of God, quite frankly, in, in the systematic theologies that I looked at, not, it was not always included as an attribute of God. Um, uh, but in several it was, and I, and I think that uh, although it's not probably as dominant as something like an, the all-knowing aspect of God or the, the loving aspect of God, it is still an attribute of, of Him. Isaiah chapter 33 verse 17 says, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Psalms 96.6 says, Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Which leads us to uh, where I think we need to spend at least a little bit of time, and that is, what is beauty? What is beauty? To me, defining beauty is a little bit like trying to define love. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy to, maybe not so easy, but you can give examples and, uh, and uh, some ideas that might be helpful, but it is a very difficult thing to get the mind around. Um, the, the standard uh, Oxford Dictionary, I think, is a little bit helpful. It defines beauty as this, the quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. Now, my translation of that is, beauty is that which makes one go, wow, <laughs> okay? There is a sense of response to something that is beautiful. Um, a theological definition from Norman Geiser's Systematic Theology, the essence of beauty is that which is being perceived pleases. That which is being perceived pleases. Um, from a practical example, you get out of your car door, as I did a couple years ago, and you look at the Grand Canyon, and there is a sense of pleasure that comes from what you're seeing. Or when you look from a top of a mountain, or from the bottom of a mountain, or if you see a sunset, there is a sense that what you see is pleasing to you. And I think the other idea about beauty is not only is it pleasing, you want to linger there a little bit. You want to take it in. You want to soak it in. <clears throat> when you hear the orchestra play, you want to sit and listen. When you hear the singer sing in a beautiful way, you want to listen to it. And it's pleasing to the soul. It's pleasing to, the, to, to you. That is something that is a quality of beauty. Beauty, however, I think is more than the physical. It's more than just what the five senses uh, can, can bring into you. Uh, beauty is more than merely skin deep. I think in our culture, certainly, I think we confuse the sexy with the beauty. We, conf- we, we confuse, you know, we see things like Britney Spears or Ben Affleck or pick your, pick your person, and we think beauty, or sometimes that's called beauty. 
<clears throat> and I think sometimes we confuse sexy with beauty, but beauty is more than skin deep. Beauty goes beyond the physical. As by way of an illustration, a cute little story. There's, there's a um, successful businesswoman, <clears throat> and every morning this successful businesswoman would get up, put her makeup on, dress in fine clothes, get her hair just so, just, just dressed to the T. She would go down and eat breakfast with her, with her uh, small, ch- small son. Well, <clears throat> one day, uh, well, one day when she didn't work, she uh, just came downstairs. Her hair was a mess. You know, she's in her nightgown. She didn't have any makeup on. I mean, she looked pretty bad. And they're sitting there eating their cereal uh, sorry, <laughs> together. And <clears throat> the, uh, the young son looks at his mom and says, Mom, you sure are beautiful. And the mother just is kind of taken back. She's, you know, she's thinking, I, my hair's a mess. My clo- you know, wh- how, do you, how can you say that, son? And he says, Mom, when you look like that, I know you're all mine. Because she's not going to work today. <laughs> and you, know, you think about that a little bit and you realize, you know, there's a sense of beauty that is beyond the physical. It is beyond what we can see. Let me give you another example. This is one of my... Uh, favorite paintings. Now, this I don't think is probably in any, you know, the Louvre or whatever's in, is that in France or wherever that's, probably in no fancy museum, but this painting has seemed to be everywhere I go. It was in the little Methodist church in Scranton, had this painting. Uh, it was in the church, the Covenant church in Scranton that I was at that had this painting. And then finally, somehow, it's now in my house. I don't know where I, where I got this painting, but this is one of my favorite paintings. And uh, <clears throat> here it is. Now, have you seen that one? That one's a... Now, by any worldly standard, that old man is not pretty or beautiful or going to compete with Ben Affleck for anything, right? (laughs) From a uh, worldly standpoint. But what's going on in this painting? You have a very simple man with a simple piece of bread, some soup or porridge or something, and what I assume is a Bible. But there is a certain beauty that's in this picture. But it's not a beauty that's found in the face of the man or in, the, in, in anything else. But it's the beauty, it's the idea that what is going on behind this picture that is beautiful. It's called grace. And uh, just read a little bit. Let me just set this up here so, you don't, so I'm not moving it around. Just a little history behind this painting. The true meaning of the Spirit and thankfulness, graciousness, and appreciation brought forth in this picture, grace. Eric Eastrom of Minnesota conceived this picture in the war days of 1918. Here is a picture that truly speaks more than words can tell. The surroundings are very humble. The saintly old man, Mr. Wilden, who lived at one time in Grand Rapids, Michigan, rests his brow on his folded hands and says grace before partaking of a meager meal. It was in this position that Mr. Enstrom had so often seen him, and he carried with him a mental picture of grace long before he produced it. There is a beauty that's found in that picture. My point is simply this. I think in our physical world that we live in, um, we sometimes, it's easy to restrict the idea of beauty to only that which is physical and which can be seen and sensed. And my point is, beauty is beyond that. It can include that, but it's more than that. 
When we think of one of the most beautiful events that ever happened on the face of this earth, not one of the most beautiful events, it was ugly. It was the crucifixion. By all accounts of all of our senses, the crucifixion was ugly. It was horrible. It was horrific. But yet behind that was a beautiful gift of our loving Father giving His Son for our sins. Beauty. Beauty is not limited to the physical. God is beauty. You know, when you, in the movies, when uh, God is portrayed, um, not to mention the theological problems with this, but, you know, I know it's artistic license and all that, but usually who, who portrays God? It's like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones or, you know, or, you know, what, George Burns, right? <laughs> uh, kind of does, I think, you know, again, beauty is not, especially with Mr. Burns, not, not a trait that tends to come to mind. But God is beyond that. God is spirit. He transcends the physical and so does his beauty. Um, we look at someone who, who loves beyond normal means, say a Mother Teresa, and we say that's a beautiful thing. Um, we think about a mind like Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking's, and we say, wow, what a, just an incredible thing of how much they know. Or we're drawn to men like Diedrich Bonhoeffer who dared to tell the truth in the face of a Nazi regime, regime who uh, was, was clearly against Christianity. But let us not forget that God is love, God is all-knowing, and God is truth. If we are to gaze at the beauty of the things that these men finitely apply, how much more shall we behold the beauty of the God that flows infinitely from these attributes that are a part of His very nature. The one who is beauty gave beauty. You can only give what you have. We see in Genesis chapter 1, when God created this world, He created it good. He created it with real beauty. Ecclesiastics 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. One of the greatest prophets of Israel longed to see God as he is, longed to see God in his beauty, and that was Moses. And from Exodus chapter 33, then Moses said, <clears throat> I, excuse me. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by. That I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And quite frankly, we are in the same position, in a sense, that, we, that Moses was. Is that we are not in a position in this world, in our corrupted, uh, sinful-natured, unglorified state, that we can see the beauty of God, to see Him face to face. We can't do it in this life, but one day we will. We, right now we see Him dimly, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says. We may see, the, we see the fingerprints of Him. We see them at His 
uh, this, his works in this universe, but it's still dimly. It's still not face-to-face. We don't see him in all of his glory. The universe and all that it is in it was a pristine creation of God. His perfect creation, however, was marred with sin. Thus the beauty of God became veiled because of sin. His beauty has not changed, but only our ability to see it. But that will not always be the case. 1 John 3, 2 says we are going to see God as He is. We're going to one day see God as He really is. Theological terms is called the beatific vision. It was, uh, it, the idea was kind of was brought together by Thomas Aquinas. It's this idea that <clears throat> there, once we are in a glorified state, once we have been... Uh, Um, changed, our body has changed from the corruptible to the incorruptible. We will see God as He really is. It's kind of, as a way of an analogy, and this is an analogy, try to think of things that are helpful. It's kind of like this. Um, When I was a young child, you know, we had the rabbit ears on our television. And I liked to watch baseball. And uh, so every once in a while, if the, the wind was blowing just right or not blowing, you could, you could see a Royals game. But it was just marred by snow. Now, those of you who have cable TV, you, know, you may not even know what snow is, some of you young people, but with rabbit ears, you get snow. <laughs> and it's sometimes very hard to make out the picture. And I remember watching game after game after game, and you, you, know, you could kind of see what was going on, but it was just dim, it was, it was blurred, it just was not a clear picture. And then I contrast that to the first time I ever walked into Royal Stadium. And when I walked into Royal Stadium, I mean, I went, wow. I mean, that was a wow event. Now, maybe some of you, it's no big deal. But, but for me, I mean, I'm seeing what I saw on TV, but then I was there at a real major league park, and this is awesome. This was pretty cool. There was some beauty there. In some way, in some ana- way of analogy, we're, we're still looking at the snow on the TV, right now when we see God. Not that we can't see some of His beauty. Not that we can't see that He is indeed is beautiful, but we have yet to see God as He is. But one day we will. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, when speaking of the beatific vision, on a sermon that he gave on January 20th, 1856, writes this, We shall see the hand and the nail prints too, but not the nail. It has been once drawn out and forever. We shall see his side and its pierced wound too, but not the blood. <clears throat> but the blood shall not issue from it. We shall see him not with a peasant's garb, garb around him, but with the empire of the universe upon his shoulders. We shall see him not with a reed in his hand, but grasping a golden scepter. We shall see him not as a mocked and spit upon and insulted, not bone of our bone in all of our agonies, afflictions, and distresses, but we shall see Him exalted. No longer Christ the man of sorrows, the acquaintance of grief, but Christ the man of God, radiant with splendor, clothed with rainbows, girded with clouds, wrapped in lightning, crowned with stars, the sun beneath His feet. O glorious vision, how can we guess what He is? What words can tell us? Or how can we speak of, speak thereof? Yet whatever He is, with all His splendor unveiled, 
all his glories unclouded and himself unclothed, we shall see him as he is. I don't know what that's going to be like. I, I don't know. But what I do know is we can take the most beautiful experience that, we've, that you've had on this earth where you've gone, wow, and it's going to blow that away. <laughs> that I can be assured of because we're dealing with the reality of who God is. <clears throat> when we see the beauty in this world, I think one of the things that we can take away from this is that when we do look at the beauty that's in this world, that we need to tie it back to the author of that beauty. We need to tie it back to God himself. When we look at the mountains, when we listen to the music, when we see the animal kingdom, whatever you see that brings beauty or you see beauty, let us remember that it's tied back to the author. Beauty for beauty's sake is fine, but we miss something if we do not tie it back to its author. What painting does not have a painter? Beauty is to be more than a human experience. It is is a divine experience because all that is beautiful originates from God. The singer does not sing apart from the gift of vocal cords, melody, and rhythm, and words given to them by God. The painter does not paint apart from the colors and the imagination and the steady hand given to them by God. The poet doesn't write from ideas and experience apart to that which was given by God. When the glorious sunset stirs in our inner being, it doesn't do so apart from the one who hung the sun in the sky. When we see beauty, let's tie it back to the author. We need to live with the hope and desire that one day we will see God as He is. We need to long for that beatific vision. We are aliens in this world. You know, pain and suffering have, has a way of reminding us that this really isn't our home. It can be a pretty ugly world. Um, Oscar Wilde, I don't know if any of you have read any Oscar Wilde. I've read one book of his, Picture of Dorian Gray. He talks about this idea of beauty and ugliness. Um, he has a couple quotes. He says, It is better to be beautiful than to be good, but it is better to be good than to be ugly. He also says, no object is so beautiful that under certain circumstances it will not look ugly. He writes, this is his theme of the book, The Picture of Dorian Gray, where there's this man, this beautiful man that has a portrait painted of himself, but then his life begins to turn in just a wretched, horrid, spiraling down sinful way, and that picture then is marred to a point where it can't be, be recognized. Sin mars the beautiful. And God's beauty is veiled to us now, but one day it will be revealed. Do we earnestly desire to see the beauty of God? Do we wish to see Him as He is? In our sinful and corrupt state, we cannot. No matter how much we might desire it, it is not possible, for no man can see God. No man in the unglorified condition, that is. But we will be changed. We will be glorified and purified by Christ Himself. And then and only then will we see God as He is in all His beauty and all of His majesty. From the words of a Phil Kagey song, What a Day. What a happy day when we see our Lord in paradise, crowned as King of Kings. What a day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be.
The beauty of God is more than just some disconnected idea, some idea that's just out there that we talk about. Beauty, as the definition goes, pleases the individual. There is some pleasure there. If we are thinking about God and in some way we're not pleased, then we're not, be, and then we're not beholding the beauty of God. We're not seeing God as He really is. For God is good in His nature. When we see it accurately, pleases us as individuals. We need to read about Him. We need to read about the history and how He dealt with the nation of Israel to see a little of His character. We see it in his character revealed in a more specific way in the Psalms. Or we see his character in in the book of Revelation. We see his character of justice and the beauty that he's going to restore back to his his creation. uh, The Garden of Eden restored. God is without the mar of sin and is pure beauty. The quality of beauty draws us, the worshiper, with all of our senses to God. As we gaze on the beautiful, our wretched sinful nature is revealed against the backdrop of the beauty of who God is. Let us remember that God is the author of beauty, and the one who is beauty will be the one who sanctifies us so that one day we can see Him as He is. The follower of Christ is washed in the righteousness of of Christ so that we might be presented to him who is without the mark of sin. The world has the saying, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What I would give to you today is to behold the one who is beauty. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for this day. Father, we, um, as we go throughout this world, we, we, we see your fingerprints. We see dimly and uh, a reflection of your beauty. And Father, quite frankly, it's pretty glorious in many cases, even with the mar of sin in this world. And Father, we just look forward to a day, and it is of great hope and of great anticipation, where we will see you as you really are. We will see you in all of your beauty and all of your glory and all of your majesty because you have changed us. You have removed the sin that's in us. And Father, we just pray that um, as we live in this world that um, we will keep our, certainly our attention in the world that you have, in this place that you have have put us. But Father, that we won't do so apart from knowing what our future is and uh, the certain that's ahead of us the certainty that's ahead of us and just the the beauty that's in your character and father for that we long for in the name of jesus we pray amen